the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, November the 7th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On November 7th, 2013, shares of Twitter went on sale to the public for the first time. By the end of the closing bell, by the end of the day, the social network was valued at 31 billion dollars. Now, I think we all know that that would go private again in October, just last month, 2022, after Elon Musk purchased the social media platform for $44 billion. I mention this only because social media carries a lot of information. Much of it is misinformation, but a lot of information to the world and certainly to America. It's important that conservatives and Christians have access to the Internet. Um, Twitter and others, Facebook and all of that had become and has become very, very selective in who they allow to use their platform. Trump was kicked off and one thing or another. Well, that all seems to be changing with Musk. I don't can't quite figure out where Musk is coming from. He seems to be coming from different places at different times, but nonetheless... He is cleaning house at um, at Twitter, and he's I think he's is has let go or he's going to let go about fifty percent of the employees. I think they had about seventy five hundred employees. I think I read the other day. So anyway, all of that is happening. It does it is important because it it gives it impacts access, particularly. My concern is for ministry and for conservative uh, values and conservative talk and messaging and information. So anyway, that's in the process. But it was uh, it was uh, back in November of 2013 that they launched Twitter. Today in 1917, Russia's Bolshevik Revolution took place. Forces led by Vladimir Lenin overthrew the provisional government. Today in 1940, Washington State's original Tacoma Narrows Bridge was nicknamed Galloping Gertie. It collapsed into Puget Sound during a windstorm just four months after opening to traffic. I wasn't around in 1940, but some of you old you, you old guys were. Maybe you even remember it. I don't know. But I certainly remember hearing the story as a kid. The people in Yakima Valley, where I grew up, they man, they were talking about it like it had happened yesterday. It was a big story. And big bridges like Narrows Bridge doesn't usually collapse, and uh, it did. It was quite amazing. Today, in 1944, President Franklin D. Roosevelt won an unprecedented fourth term in office. Today, in 1972, President Richard Nixon was reelected in a landslide over Democrat George McGovern. I remember that one. Today, in 2020, Democrat Joe Biden was said to have clinched victory over President Donald Trump as a win in Pennsylvania pushed Biden over the threshold of 270 electoral college votes. Every election is contested by the side that loses. 
It's just a matter of how much and how they can test. This, believe me, when the Democrats have lost, Hillary Clinton is the banner child for that. She has never stopped talking about her loss when she ran for president and how it was stolen by Trump and so on. But generally, the losing party always has something to say about, well, I don't think it was, you know, right. I think there were mistakes made or they questioned the integrity of the election and so on. But I don't think there has been in history, at least in recent history, an election that has been more challenged by more people and the challenges resisted by more people in power like Twitter and Facebook and the platforms and just the, as they say, legacy media, the ABC, NBC, CBS, and so on. I don't think there's been an election in recent history, at least, that has been challenged and and supported, regardless of glaring issues, than this last presidential election. But now we're on the eve of the midterm election, which is going to decide some very, very important issues. In fact, with one of the most important midterm elections in recent history looming tomorrow, America will decide a direction that will lead toward restoration or, God forbid, toward the dustbin of forgotten history. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. If you haven't voted, please do. I mean, you still can in most states. I know you can in Washington State. Everything that has moral relevance to our culture is in one way or another on this ballot. It's there. What we decide tomorrow collectively, and I know many of you have already voted. I have. But um, it'll be officially decided tomorrow, I guess, although we're being told repeatedly now that, no, no, we won't have the votes counted for a number of days afterwards. It's complicated, and you little people out here don't understand. Well, we do understand, and we're questioning why it takes so long when we have all this high-tech stuff now, when they used to do it by hand, and, and we got pretty much all of the results the evening, late in the evening, but in the evening of Election Day. How has this all of this elect massive thing that they run these votes through and foreign companies involved and all of that. How has that helped? I don't know. It doesn't seem to me that it's helped a great deal. But then what do I know? I'm just one of the little people. It's too complicated for us, so they won't explain it to us. But nonetheless, here's the concern. There's a new study out by George Barna, and it reveals that less than one-third of Americans believe the Bible should serve as the foundation for determining what is right and what is wrong. And he's very concerned about that. He's an evangelical Christian. He is by far the most um, well-known and probably the most uh, published Christian polling person and polling company. And he's associated now with uh, the university in Arizona, the Christian University. I'm going to be talking about some of the things that he found that he released here just a few days ago. As it comes to bear on this election, it's something to pray about today as we look tomorrow. And if, again, if you haven't voted, please vote because you, you can. And it God wants us to take advantage of the opportunities that he gives us. And the, there's people in the world that... They risk their life and limb to come to America. 
because we have the freedoms here. We still can vote. We have our issues, but we still get to vote. And I know people are saying, oh, Gary, why bother with that? I mean, man, that thing is rigged and all of that. Well, maybe we can't control all of that, but we can pray about it, and God can control it. And if we're in a position of power or influence in politics, and some who are listen to to this program, um, you can change it, and we can pray for you. I don't have access to the voting machines. (laughs) If I did, I would have somebody check them out that was reliable, but... We can't, um, we can't manage that, or we can't really impact that with a hands-on. But we can pray about it. But we can do what we can do, and that's what we're held responsible for. We're held responsible before the Lord for the opportunities He gives us, and the opportunity to vote is ours. And if you haven't done so, please do. I'm there, I know it's just ours, but if if not, please do. I I that is pleasing to God. And God wants you to vote his values. And we'll be talking a little bit about that as well this morning. But George Barna says that he's very concerned about all this because one-third of Americans, less than a third, believe the Bible should serve as the foundation for determining right and wrong. And so somebody says, oh, so Gary wants a theocracy. No, I don't. I've never wanted a theocracy. That's what Muslims have in Iran and wherever. I mean, they're the people that ha- have a an imam or something up there, and and they're telling that, you know, thus saith Muhammad, and so on. None of, I, I don't know, I don't know a single evangelical leader that wants a theocracy. But Dave Ross used to talk about us on, on his radio show, and talk, he talked about, he talked about me, he's told me to my face, it looks like you want a theocracy. Nobody wants a theocracy. But I will tell you, I will tell you that a nation built on the foundation of God's word and God's principles is a nation that has thrived, and it has become the most blessed, the most prosperous, the most free, the most beautiful nation and country in the history of the world. And it was built for Jews and for atheists and for whomever, but built on the principles and the values of Judeo-Christianity. And here we are today, we are squandering with this power people in the Oval Office and so on, we are squandering the blessing that God has given us. And I think to whom much is given, much is required. And I believe God would require us to do what we can. As I said, there are things we can't do, but the things that we can do, we must do. And then we put it in the hands of God. Somebody has said, and you've heard it quoted, I've heard it probably a hundred times, maybe a thousand times, I don't know. But somebody said, we need to um, work like it's, you know, all up to us and pray like it's all up to God, because it is. (laughs) And that, I think, pretty much sums up where I'm coming from, and I think many of you would agree with that. I'll come back to this in a moment. I noticed that ABC legal analyst Sonny Hostin, she's also on The View, uh, which is is not a standard bearer for anything except uh, idiocy as far as I'm concerned, but I noticed that because she is a legal analyst there as well. Uh, she was saying the other day, it was a couple of days ago now, she, she said on The View, she said, the white suburban women are voting for Republicans. 
She said the white suburban women who are voting for Republicans are like roaches voting for the bug spray raid. (laughs) She said, quote, what's also surprising to me is the abortion issue. I read a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote for Republican. And she says that makes them like roaches voting for bug spray, for raid in particular, the brand. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support. I want to thank you for your kind words that you send to me. I read every note that comes to us, and it's important, and I take the time to do it. And I'm glad that it takes a little more time sometimes. Uh, We hear from you, and I'm glad for those of you who support us who don't send notes. It's okay. You don't have to. But for those of you who do, thank you as well. I got this note. This was an online uh, contribution. A number of people contribute online. You can do that on our website at faithandfreedom.us. It says, Hello, Mr. Randall. I'm a single mom from Spokane who listens to you with my son every day. We love and pray for you and your wife and your family daily. We heard you need a donation. I'm donating a, a, a generous amount. I hope this helps a little. We want to encourage others to give to you. So if you could please read this part of the on, the, on your program. Here's the part that she's asking me to read. I'm happy to read it. Hello, fellow Americans. If you, li- if you love listening to Straight Talk with Gary Randall, we want to encourage you to give a monthly or a one-time gift to help keep it on the air. We feel that God has put Mr. Randall where he is for such a time as this to be a truth teller when finding the truth is so hard. If you feel the same, please consider giving whatever you can. Sincerely, a single mom and her awesome kid in Washington State. Thank you, Mr. Randall. I sure hope people will give. May God richly bless you. Thank you. I'm humbled. Got another note from a person. I've got to share this with you. Dear Gary, I listen to you on KSPO Spokane. I live about 85 miles north of Spokane and can only pick up this station on my car radio. So I try to spend from 9 to 9.30 a.m. in my car. Thank you for your time and dedication. I wish I could give more. And his name, may God bless your ministry. These are the kinds of notes. The one is not, is a little out of the ordinary that I read from the single mom. But these are the kinds of notes we get. And thank you for spending half an hour in your car. If you're driving now, be safe. And don't burn too much gas or it'll cost you too much money. But thank you. And to all of you who support us, thank you so much. We are not struggling, but we're running a little bit short. Um, last month we did, and I mentioned that the other day, and I'll probably not mention it again, but we do need to make it up. It was about $4,800. And I would also say to the people listening on KPDQ in, out of Portland, Oregon, um, we're not meeting budget there. It, it's the, our most expensive market as far as the cost, and we're not meeting budget. I've already heard from a couple of you, several of you, in fact, it, that listen on KPDQ, and you've sent generous contributions. Thank you. Uh, so much. And I'm just asking you, if you're listening, particularly in that area, but wherever, if you feel like what we're doing is, is has value and is something that is helpful to the kingdom of God as well as to informing people, uh, please pray about standing with us. Every month we have a budget and every month we meet the budget, except when we don't. And last month we were a little short, so uh, $4,800 short. 
And so thank you in advance, and thank you for your support. We don't talk a lot about money on this program. If you listen, you know that. Um, I long ago decided when we first started this program, I've been involved in media most all of my adult life in ministry. And um, I know what it takes, and I know it's, sometimes it's very it's a lot of pressure. And I hear ministries sometimes going on and on and on and on. And I don't say that critically because I understand the pressures. But I hear them going on. And I, I don't know. For me, I just feel that God will speak to hearts and you will respond as long as I'm supposed to be doing this. And I don't know. That's very simple. But that's kind of where I'm coming from. And I will tell you the need and share it with you. And thank you for standing with us. And I am profoundly appreciative but we just not are going to talk about it all the time on the program. So sometimes when you spend your whole time talking about how to raise money to talk about raising money the next day, maybe you should do something else. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. So I know you understand, and thank you from my heart for your support. And to all of you who have been supporting this, some almost from the beginning, eight, ten years ago, whatever it's been, thank you guys. I know who you are. Thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. How do we decide what is right and what is wrong? I think that's a process that we go through every day. Every day we make decisions. Sometimes they're not monumental decisions, but they are decisions. And we have a basis for making those decisions, particularly moral Decisions. What is that basis? Joshua, and if I have time, I'll get back to Joshua. In chapter 24, he famously said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. I want to give you a little context on that if we have time. If not, we take a look at it and read it. But here's the concern for now and for this upcoming election. Tomorrow, it will kind of coalesce around all the gathering of ballots over the last month or whatever. But here's the concern. Barna said most people express support for traditional moral values. But he said they don't they don't think that the moral values are necessarily based on biblical teaching. At least not a majority feel that way in America. So how are we deciding what is right and what is wrong? He put out his fourth installment of an in-depth study just last week, and it's lengthy, and I I read through it. It's entitled America's Values Study. It's, as I said, the fourth installment of that. It's from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, where where Barna is now uh, on staff, and he, he has brought his polling company into the Arizona Christian University. They're very uh, much into informing and and having a, a conservative voice in the culture and so on. But overall, when asked to identify what they viewed as the primary determinant of right and wrong in the United States, this was the response. And I'll come back and talk about each of these a little bit with some other numbers. But here's what he found. 42% of Americans say that they decide what is right and wrong by what they feel in their heart. An additional 29% cited a majority rule 
as their desired method for determining right and wrong. What they mean by that is democracy. So if if a majority of Americans vote for something, say they vote that abortion is moral, then this 29% of Americans think it should be moral based on that vote. That's where the problem is. Only 29% expressed a belief that principles laid out in the Bible should determine the understanding of right and wrong in the United States. And like I said, somebody's going to be shouting at the top of their voice, Gary wants a theocracy. No, I don't want a theocracy, but I think we should take a, a good look over our shoulder at how we got here. How we got here as a nation, blessed and prosperous and free, and how we got to where we are in a state of confusion today with people like President Biden running around lying. I mean, at these speeches, even CNN now came out with a list of things that that are untruth, I think they call them, that the president has been saying in the last week, in the last seven days. I mean, CNN, they're on his team. They're the quarterback of his team, pretty much. So how we got here is America was blessed, our founding fathers, and there's been a war against history over the last number of years in America, in education, public education in particular, where they have tried to silence or delete or abandon or cancel our our historical uh, story of America. And they've tried to make it something it wasn't. And the, radi- the real radicals are saying that we were founded on the basis of our, our lust for slavery. And we were not founded in 1776, but we were founded in 1619 or whatever it was, when the first slave ship arrived. So that is taking a toll on how people are thinking and what is helping and informing people to make their decisions. That's why we do what we do on this program every day to inform you and make you aware of of the consequences of making decisions based on our own feelings or based on a popular vote that is uninformed or anti-conservative or biblical. And biblical values not only serve Christians, but biblical values serves all. That's why America prospered so much. It's interesting. Those figures that I just mentioned a moment ago rose to 66% among spiritually active people that were involved in politics and conservative Christians. But the only other demographic subgroups were at least a plurality of respondents indicated a desire for the Bible to serve as a determinant of right and wrong in the U.S., like the Ten Commandments. I mean, those were universally, they were on the walls of our public schoolrooms. They were universally considered, thou shalt not murder. Oh, okay, well, that should be a law. Of course. I mean, it's common sense, but it was biblical truth. And now we've scrubbed the walls. We've torn down the statues. We've pretended like there is no God, or if there is, he's a myth. And there are a few people somewhere on the outskirts of town that believe that. And part of that is due to the church. I'm not saying all churches, but I'm just saying too many churches are either silent or they've accepted a gospel that isn't the gospel. It's another gospel, as Paul said. There are all kinds of reasons, but certainly public education is at at the very foundation of this kind of thinking. They have told these little children a lot of lies, not only about their human sexuality, as now is the rage, 
But they've told these little kids growing up and right through middle school and high school and into university that the history of the United States, oh, it, it was, it's about slavery, it's not about religious freedom and so on. So here we are. We're kind of in a mess. And we've got this current administration, which stands, which on the one hand claims to be godly and devout and righteous. And on the other hand, are the most unrighteous, ungodly decision makers we've had in the White House perhaps ever, at least recently, for sure. Mainline churches have failed. They haven't spoken to the, to the culture. They were afraid they would lose their congregation or get fired, the pastor maybe, or let go or whatever. I don't know the process, but I do know that a lot of pastors have been silenced out of fear. And sometimes their excuse is, well, I, I just want to preach the gospel. I don't want to get involved in politics. That is the most disconnected response I can think of. Because if, to think that you don't want to be involved in politics, you are involved in politics. It is life in a free country. And this is still a free country. We've got to speak to the issues from the pulpit. I did to the best of my ability when I was a pastor. Man, I mean, a few people got upset. They said, well, we don't want to hear about... I mean, like a few. I mean, like in a very large church. I mean, a couple thousand people. Maybe one or two families told me they didn't feel comfortable. I recommended them to another church. I said, they're good people. They're great people. They just, I talk about the culture from time to time in my sermons, and they don't like that, and they'll fit right into your church. I did. Honestly, I recommended them to other pastors. Told them they're good people. But, man, we've got to speak to the culture. And people understand that. And I, if, if Pastors can only understand they can preach the gospel. We must preach the gospel, but we've got to integrate into our message what's happening in people's lives because it touches everyone's life. And in that is the message of the gospel. We identify the issues politically and culturally, but the answer is always Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who came to save us from our sin and to give us eternal life. That is the ultimate answer. So part of this lays at the church's feet for being silent. And some churches go way off, and they're out there advocating for some of these cockamamie values, so-called values, that these people on the left are advocating, including leadership in America, current leadership. 91% of adults who identified the Bible as their source of moral guidance espouse traditional moral values. 74% of those who primarily seek moral guidance from society. 71% of respondents who rely on their family as their primary source of moral guidance. 67% of those who do not look to the Bible, they turn to themselves for guidance and they look within themselves. Support for traditional moral values also extended across all the age groups. Three-quarters of Americans, Barna says, maintain that people are basically good. Less than half of all Americans believe in God and that the Bible is, God, is God's true, relevant, and re reliable words to humanity. But yet they deny the fact that it should be the basis for our decision-making. So I don't have time to get to Joshua today, but I will say that Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. 
I think these are days not only to vote and to decide, but to pray and decide whom we will serve. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. Thanks for being with me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.